0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show You know, it's been some time since we've checked in with the program Bold Venture Which starred Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall so, I've added some new episodes for us to enjoy. Just let me refresh a little bit here. Bold Venture was a transcribed syndication by Ziv Corporation. There were 78 30-minute episodes produced for release with the premiere March twenty-six of 1951. This was the first radio program starring Humphrey Bogart, who resisted doing live radio shows because of the time involved. And since this series was transcribed, he accepted the offer. Humphrey Bogart plays the part of Slate Shannon, hotel owner and owner of a boat called the Bold Venture. He was ready to rescue a friend in need or hunt down an enemy. The setting for the series is Havana, Cuba. Other regular cast members include his wife, Lauren Bacall, who plays the part of Sailor Duval, and Jester Harrison, who plays the part of King Moses, a Calypso singer. Music was supplied by David Rose and his orchestra, and scripts were written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. Each script was a pure bogey-and-baby script style. Listen to the delivery by these top stars of that era, and you'll understand why their popularity was at its peak then. An article in the January 13, 1951 issue of the trade publication Billboard reported the Bogarts will collect $5,000 weekly, and boy, were they worth every penny. So let's settle back and let the waves take us back to 1950 and the wonderful shows featuring Bogey and Bacall. This episode is entitled Deadly Diamonds.
2: Once again, the magic names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a tale of mystery and intrigue.
3: Come on, Slate, stop dragging. Take another hitch in your trench coat, lover. I want you to look splendid for the employment agency. Come on. Senor Bonomo of the employment agency Bonomo's.
4: Don't open your mouth, senorita. Close it for me. Oh, you like the tight lip type, huh? Eh? Shut the mouth, please. Ah, devastating. What a third floor upstairs mate you will make. I got the upstairs. If only I had the third floor... Hey, Buster, what are you building? We... The uh, man with the wasp waist, the trench coat, senorita. What is it, your agent? You need no agent with me, baby.
3: Look, honey baby, you called us, remember? You saw our ad for a hotel clerk in El Shopping Gazette and you called us.
4: You are Signoria Duval and this peddler is Signor Shannon?
5: Bonamo, baby, you better come up with a hotel clerk or I'll have you
4: bobbing for dills in that pickle jar over there. The technical pickle clients, for you they are free. Help yourself while I show you the photograph of the clerk I have chosen for you. Gaze upon him. I ask you, gaze. Mmm, yummy.
5: Not the pickle, sailor. He means the guy in the picture. If you like him, I'll buy him for you. Well?
4: Mmm,
3: look at the experience he's had, babe. The best hotels and that zippy mustache. I bet he's a doll with a hotel register. And for you,
4: he will work for cakes and nickels if I have to beat
5: him. You made a sale, Bonomo. Have him over at Shannon's place at 6 this evening. Let's go, sailor. You're gonna eat that pickle walking back of me, huh, sailor?
6: Yeah, Wilson
4: here. Senor Wilson, I got you the job. How I had to beg, to plead, to. Roll on my knees.
6: On a Bonamo Where?
4: At Shannon's place.
6: Stay on your knees, kid. Shannon's place, huh? You don't know what you and Shannon have just done for the world, Bonomo. You've just made it a worse place to live in. You
7: know what I feel like doing out? I already
6: done it. After Bonomo called, I went right out in the street, right over there on the corner, on my knees, and kissed the sidewalk. Ah, look what we got, Bobby. Someone to smuggle us the stuff, a place to fence, a dream setup. Yeah,
7: a place to fence the stuff. Shannon's place. (laughs) (laughs) Me, a clerk in Shannon's place. That's a way to start out, kid. Bottom rung, you'll have to wind up owning the place. You, me... And girlfriend May.
6: Don't worry about May. She'll do her job from Key West, okay? I know, I know. Uh, one thing, Al. Shannon. What do they say around that it? he's rough. Ah, oh, rough, Bobby. Shannon. <laughs> just nothing at all.
3: Now, the thing you have to understand, Mr. Wilson, is that... Oh,
6: sure, miss- sis, I understand. But you tell me anyway. I'm a peachy listener.
5: Yeah, we like that in our hotel clerks, don't we, sailor? I'll tell you another thing I like, Wilson. I like you to call sailor here Miss Duval. That is, until you get the hang of things,
6: huh? Oh, with an employer like her, Mr. Shannon, I could get the hang of this place in a long minute. Yeah, that's what I said. You're fired.
3: Slate. Slatey. Mr. Shannon. boss Bossman.
5: Yeah, what do you want?
3: Let's not be hard on the boy. Let's consider for a moment how you got this hotel. Yeah, that
5: was different. Yeah, well, let's tickle the past later, huh, kid? Here comes a customer. Let's watch your boy clerk handle him. Make it live, Wilson. This is it. You're on your own, lad. And you'll be impressed.
6: I crossed my heart. You'll be impressed. Uh, welcome, sir. A heartfelt welcome to... Uh... This is the place of Shannon. You named it, mate. This is Shannon's place. What can it do for you? When I got off my ship, La Princesa,
4: a man from a cab on the docks, he said to me, Shannon's place.
6: They wait for you, Cadillo. I take you for nothing. This he said to me... You uh, got something that'll make us believe he said all that? In this packet, in oilskin. You made us
4: believe, Senor Cadillo. Give it to me. <laughs> for three thousand pesos, Senor. The price of... My poor little pocket that has slept under my head through so many loud oceans.
6: Three grand, huh? You got bargains, mate. Give it to him, Mr. Shannon. Three grand and a tip for his trouble. You bring a flair to the hotel business, don't you, Buster? Yeah, that I do. Me and this gun pointing at your open throat ensemble. We give a new wrinkle to the hotel, Dodge.
3: And I thought a boy with a mustache like that would be different. You got three grand, Slate?
6: He's got it. And the safe. I used up my rest period to tote up all the dough the current guests left for safekeeping in your tin can, Shannon. Yeah,
5: I must send this little anecdote into the Hotel Owners Association. It'll pique them. It's open, mate. Help yourself.
6: Happy, Senor Cadillo? Oh, see, see, I I never expected... No one hardly ever does. uh, uh. You know what I just did for you, Shannon? I made you a hero. You call the cops and tell them how you shot a thief dead. With me as a witness, you were just born to be a hero. The phone, Shannon. Dial operator to stay alive.
8: Senor Shannon!
6: Make it good, kid. Mr. Duval shot in the back by my gun's not pretty to think about.
8: Senor Shannon! Where are you?
6: Out here
5: on the patio, Inspector. Ooh,
6: you smart fellow, you. We're staying alive and happy today, aren't we? <laughs> aren't we, sis?
8: Bully
3: for
6: us.
8: Ah, Senor Shannon! Senorita Duval! My greetings from me to you. And to you too, Senor. But, por favor, I have not had the pleasure of getting acquainted with you. I'm a friend of Shannon's, uh, Mr. Vol's, too. Then you are a friend of mine. Now, uh, Senor Shannon, what is it you wish of me?
6: A uh, friend Shannon just had
8: an experience. He um shot a man to death. Shot a man to death? Is he tweaking my proboscis, Shannon? Is he? Tell him.
5: Uh, well, I, I couldn't help it. The sailor, this guy, came in, tried to rob the safe.
6: I saw it all, Inspector. The sailor pulled a gun. Shannon was a hero. That's the way it happened, huh, Mr. Vall? I, uh, can't
8: hear you, Mr. Vall.
3: Just the way you said it.
8: In the lobby, see? A dead man. A kill-to-death man. Someday, Senor Shannon, you will be too fast with that gun of yours, and I personally... I, Inspector Alfonso de Vasco Iberes, E. Melvin LaSalle, will conduct a fiesta to celebrate your stay in prison for the rest of your days. I will trespass in your lobby, senor, and try to convince myself that your story is true.
3: E Melvin LaSalle? He doesn't look like a Melvin, does he?
6: <laughs> Everybody did real good. Now, one question, Shannon. You, uh, like Mr. Duval here? <laughs> sure you like her. I like her, too. We all like Miss Duval, so uh, let's all keep her breathing.
3: Yeah, let's. I like it.
6: What's on your mind, Buster? What's on your mind, Buster? The way he says it. I like you, too, Shannon, so here's what. Number 10, Place Royale. Go there. See a man there. He's going to like you, too. For delivering our little package. Now get going, Buster. Our lady friend here is gonna fall flat in her face. Beat it.
7: This is Shannon, huh? I've been peeping at you coming down the street. Yeah. Boy in the day. frisky one up. Huh? <laughs> uh. Take your chance, kid. Tough you muffed it. Get up. Now inside. You having a bad day, huh?
5: Let's try all over again.
7: <laughs> one more step, Shannon, you'll die from bullets. You got something in your pocket for me? Yeah. Here, catch it. Ah, now I gotta wait till you wake up So we can take a boat trip together Me, you, package We'll have a lovely time
9: This bold
5: venture's a real fine boat, Shannon And you run it real fine how does it feel, Buster, sitting there with a gun pointed at another man's head? At his mouth. Sitting there grinning at him. Knowing you can squeeze the trigger and watch him fall over dead. It gives you something to latch onto, doesn't it? Makes you feel good. Shut up the motors.
7: Like you said, I could watch you fall over dead. That island ahead? Like a thousand others in the Keys. Small, but oh my. That package strapped good and tight, Shannon.
5: Why don't you give this up, big man? That island's a hundred yards from here.
7: When you jump, I'd swim for it. Next one's about a mile. A mile with sharks. So I'd try for that one. One more thing. You sit on the beach and you wait for a gal in a rowboat. Her name will be May. Then you'll be in business. Jump. Jump, Shannon.
0: Hold on to that package, kid.
10: You'll need it to live.
1: We'll take a little break. This is Theater of the Mind. Programming on WMKV is supported by the Knolls of Oxford. The Knolls of Oxford is now building new spacious cottages and their development Redbud Trace on campus. The Knolls offers an active retirement with all the benefits of a college town. More information about the new Redbud Trace cottages and the entire Knolls campus is available at 513-524-7990. That's 513-524-7990.
8: Now back to Bold Venture.
2: Now back to Bold Venture. Our stars Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall and the second act of our story.
6: to make happy with that guitar honey
3: you heard the man king sing something happy
6: how can i have such a song while he is pointing a gun at me try real hard sing better do what he say king
8: because you say so miss sailor the man with gun or a happy tune. Oh, bury me not on the lone sand dune. Why such a man is on the loose when there's furnished rooms in Havana caboose.
6: <laughs> funny music, funny man. Uh, uh, lying here on your patio, sis? Nice. <sighs> you know something?
3: Yeah, I know something 30 days, half September, April, June, and November Choose your month and drop dead
6: <laughs>
3: February is nice, it only has 28
6: You see he right here, it's a funny bone You tickle right there Al ah. Here's our boy, sis you, Bobby Good people, good, good people
3: Where's Slate?
7: I saw him last doing a six-speed Australian crawl through the briny Going good, too That boy's a swimmer, I tell you. Went okay, huh? A beaut. All we do now is wait. About six hours, I'd say. What about May?
3: I suggested February. Okay, May.
6: Ain't she the one, Bobby? She quips. It's nice for a girl to know how to quip. They're few. Don't worry about
7: May. She'll show. She'll handle her part of it fine. Ramirez? Six hours from now. I said it. He'll show up at the island with his 50 grand. His business is diamonds... Our business is 50 grand. We'll take the bold venture back to the island and collect it later.
3: Answer a girl a question, huh? What's going to happen to Slate?
7: Slate's not coming back. Not now. Not tomorrow. Not ever. You like that? I'm your new boss. Honey, you see that, Al? Slug me. I got a girl with tiger blood. Golly, I'm lucky.
11: That you on the beach, Shannon? Or just somebody I dreamed last night?
5: Going to Havana, lady? I'm just a poor hitchhiker waiting for a rowboat with a kind lady like you in it. See, I've even written it in the sand. Havana or bust?
11: Name's May. Bobby or Al might have mentioned me to you. Run up your pants legs, Derelict, so you can help the kind lady to shore.
5: Thanks. I was just beginning to wonder what there was for a nervy fellow to do on a lonely island.
11: Out of the boat, honey. Sure. But you carry me, huh, baby? So me and my little girlish gun can muzzle up real close. Uh,
5: don't nobody go around without a gun anymore.
11: I can remember way back Carry when... Carry me, baby. You wipe all your other memories clean off your book.
5: You're sure lonesome till you came, lover.
11: Oopsie, daisy I'll hold on tight. so you can pull the boat ashore after
5: us. Now you make it like pie. Well, huh? cally-ho and a yoink, we're off. <clears throat> I did that good, huh?
11: Now let's lift another weight off your mind. The packet strapped to your chest.
5: I hope you're not from the customs Squad, lover. This could look real bad for me.
11: <laughs> you're a good boy, baby. Just because you're such a good boy and let me take this packet, I'm going to sing you to sleep so you can rest your weary bones.
5: I think you ought to know this. I left my sleeping bag back in Havana.
11: There's a shack at the end of the island. You and I'll wait for Ramirez there. Who's Ramirez? Do we need him? I need the dough he's going to lay out for the stuff you brought. Come on.
7: This is it, Al. The Bold Venture. Real fine boat, isn't it, Mr. Val?
3: You like boats, Bobby?
7: Trim things I like. I meant to give it a mention. I meant to coin something nice about the boat. About you? I've been busy. Get in, Al. Now help us to
6: Val. My pleasure. Huh. Don't I get a thanks?
3: You could stick your head in the starboard propeller. I'd say thank you over and over again.
6: She don't like you, Al.
3: The port propeller's nice, too. It slices thin. (laughs)
6: 100% tiger. We need that comedian anymore, Bobby.
3: Uh, your friend, Al. Yeah,
7: my friend, Al. Gets in your hair, huh? Come on, Bobby. Wait a minute.
6: You going off your rocker, Bobby? Now listen to me, listen! That's
7: how it's done, Miss Duval. wave goodbye to Al so we can sail away to a collection in Key West. (laughs)
11: As Ramirez on that power launch slate. Go shake his hand, give him the diamonds, and bring back the fifty grand he'll shower on you.
9: Well, here
5: to Ramirez boat, a bright fella could think of something.
11: The heater's still on your back. Ramirez will have his on your eyes. You uh bright enough to think yourself out of that?
5: Uh everything just went dull.
11: Goody. Go on. Ramirez is waiting.
5: Brush of your dough, lady. I wait hand outstretched, toes akimbo, for my tip.
11: The lullaby I promised you, Slate. Turn around.
5: Uh uh-uh. uh. I want to watch.
11: Unless you can stop a bullet with your teeth. Turn around. Uh. <laughs> Pleasant dreams, baby.
3: this the island where you dumped Slate?
7: I told you. I let him swim for it. See that shack, love? It's the pot at the end of the rainbow. Let's skip to it, hand in hand. May? May? I'll
11: be right up, Bobby. I'm just freshening up for you. I shouldn't have bothered. Huh, Bobby?
3: Look, May, you want Bobby, you take Bobby. I ain't greedy, May. I'm just... You ain't a lot of things, baby.
11: You go slumming in Havana, Bobby? That way you got a memento like that?
7: Yeah. Precious, isn't it?
11: Bobby's scum. You listen to me.
7: All I got to listen to is your thank you when I ease 50 grand off you. Kiss me with it, May.
11: You take me too or you get nothing. <clears throat>
7: You're clumsy, May. You say the wrong things. The dough. I am asking like a gentleman. The dough.
11: Here, take,
3: it. take it. Leave me alone.
7: Whatever you say, May.
3: She hit her head on the edge of that table. It's it's bleeding. She looks.
7: Yeah. She's liable not to pull through. Now let her alone, tiger girl. I got a better way for you to use up your gentle... I'll show you in Miami.
5: May. May, can you hear me? Oh. What happened?
11: I'm giving you something, Slate.
5: Look, kid, you've been hurt. You need help.
11: They... Bobby, your girl... They went to Miami Beach. That's what I'm giving you. Where in Miami Beach? House on Collins Avenue. 1012. Get him. Get Bobby for me. Kill him for me. Mm.
7: Tough about Miami Beach, sailor. I said, are you paying any attention to me or you'd rather look at Miami Beach through that window?
3: Just watching for the cab.
7: Cabs ring doorbells. Come here. Come here to me.
3: I don't like rough, Bobby. Take it easy.
7: You're kidding. Ain't you kidding? Don't do that, honey. We got real close once. Do it over. I
3: said do it over.
7: I told you I don't like rough. I told you. you tame. You'll tame easy.
3: You'll never make it. You'll...
7: Hey, cabbies ring bells, friend. Ah. Oh, Shannon. You okay, sailor? Take him for me, Slate. I gotta teach you again, huh?
9: Yeah. You're
7: Nothing. Shannon? Yeah, Bill.
3: Stop it, stop it. You finished? You finished now?
5: It's all over, sailor.
3: What about that girl back at the key?
5: I I sent a doctor to her. he
3: will take care of her. Take me home, Slate.
5: Sure. And on the way, we'll tell people about this guy here. Let's go to Havana, sailor. Shut up. Fish don't like husky voices. Strike, sailor. Watch me fight him. Look at him cut the wave.
3: Where? Where? Back
5: away. He'll be on your dinner plate tonight. This is a smart cookie. He knows when to give up. He's not even fighting me.
3: Get the gas, sailor. On my dinner plate, huh? You've hooked a hat. A straw hat. (laughs)
5: Those Panamas will give you a lot of fights, sailor.
3: Give it to me. Six and seven-eighths, knucklehead. You didn't even get the right size. Oh, don't pout, Slate. Come here. See? You've got one who'll never get away.
1: Stay tuned for Suspense, next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now for Suspense, and tonight's production is entitled, The Most Dangerous Game.
12: Suspense. This is The Man in Black, here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. From Hollywood, we bring you as star, Mr. Orson Welles, who this evening begins a four-week engagement as guest of these proceedings. In the interests of prime suspense, Mr. Welles and the producer of this series have scheduled four radio stories, which they feel are particularly distinguished in our chosen field. The first of these is The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell. And so with the performance of Orson Welles in the character of General Zaroff and Keenan Wynn as Sanger Rainsford, who learned from Zaroff what was the most dangerous game, we again hope to keep you in Suspense.
13: I haven't much time. Any moment now he may come in, and when he does, I'm going to kill him. It's him or me. And I'm going to do my best to make it him. Oh, maybe it sounds crazy to you. I guess it does. It would have sounded crazy to me a few days ago when I was with Whitney on the yacht. I was on a pleasure trip. Huh, a pleasure trip. How are I? How could I or anyone realize then the horror and torment I was to go through? How was I to know of Ivan? And the death swamp and the hounds. How was I to know of the Think of it. It was only four nights ago that the ship went down. We'd been talking about this island, Ship Trap Island, Whitney said it was called on the charts. I was sleepy and started on down below to turn in. I was mixing myself a nightcap when I looked up and saw it. A tremendous reef racing at us out of the fog. I screamed out a warning, but it was too late. We were right upon it. Safe out on the prowl, but the force of the explosion hurled me into the blood-warm waters. Terrified at the suddenness and surprise, my stomach weakened, sick at the thought of the others. The sea was eddying furiously around the sinking remnants of the ship. And a certain cool hiddenness came to me and made me swim desperately away, or I might not have lived to go through the horror which was soon to come. I struck out to the right in the direction of the island about which Whitney had been telling me. I had no recollection of how long I swam. But all at once I heard the muttering and growling of the sea breaking on the rocky shore. With my remaining strength, I dragged myself from the swirling waters. All in, gasping, my hands raw, I at last reached a flat place at the top. I flung myself down at the jungle edge and tumbled headlong into the deepest sleep of my life. When I awoke, I was in a strange place, having no idea how I had done it.
10: Ivan? Our friend seems to be awakening.
13: I... Where where is this? Where am I?
10: Do not be alarmed, my friend. My man Ivan found you out on the cliff and brought you here to be taken care of. Uh, uh,
13: uh, uh, uh. Oh, thank God there's life on this island. I hardly believed. Few people Uh, do. (laughs) Yes, you are quite safe here in my castle,
10: Mr...
13: Uh, Rainsford. Uh, Rainsford, I'm... Sanger Rainsford of New York.
9: Rainsford?
10: Sanger Rainsford? Yes. Well, it is indeed a very great pleasure and honor to welcome you, Mr. Sanger Rainsford. You're the celebrated hunter, are you not? Yes, yes.
13: You know me?
10: Uh, By reputation only. I've read your book about hunting snow leopards in Tibet, you see. My name is General Zaroff. I am not English, Mr. Rainsford, but I went to a good school. Perhaps you recognize the colors of my tie. No, it makes no difference. I've lived too long in the jungle to be a snob.
13: Well, I... (laughs) Uh, I can't tell you how happy I am to meet you, General.
10: And I can't tell you how happy I am to meet you, Mr. Rainsford. And come, we shouldn't be chatting here. We can talk later. You must be hungry. Yes,
13: I am, rather. Uh, 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 what?
10: Uh, Ivan thought you'd like a robe. He's drying your clothes for you. Oh, thank you. Ivan's an incredibly strong fellow, but you mustn't mind his looks. His ears were cut off in battle, and he has the misfortune to be deaf and dumb. He is sensitive about his appearance. A simple fellow, really, but I'm afraid a bit savage. Oh? He's been in our family for years. Uh, uh,
9: uh.
10: Follow Ivan, if you please, Mr. Rainsford. I was about to have my luncheon just before you awoke. You can have it together now. Does the robe fit you all right? Oh, yes, yes, perfectly, thanks. I right, am so glad.
13: You uh, have quite a collection of heads here. Lions, tigers, mm. elephants, moose, bears. Oh, I don't believe I've ever seen a more perfect specimen.
10: They are nice. I take great pride in them. You have good cause. Coming from you, Mr. Rainsford, that is a great compliment. Here we are. You sit over there. Thank you. Not at all. Right, Ivan.
13: <laughs>
10: we do our best to preserve the amenities of civilization here. Please forgive my lapses. Of course. Yes. Well off the beaten track, you know. Uh shushu. Shushu. Shoo shoo! shoo, shoo. <laughs> <laughs> this is my little pet, Mr. Rainsford. As a hunting falcon, Shushu is of no further usefulness in the field, but I am fond of its company, my not little sweetheart. Patience, my darling. I know you're hungry, my dear. We hunt tonight.
13: Your, uh, <laughs> your head's are really remarkable, General. Mm. That, uh, that cape buffalo is the largest I've ever seen. Yes, that fellow, he's a monster. Did he charge you?
10: Hurled me against a tree, fractured my skull, left me the scar. And I got the brute.
13: <coughs> I've, uh, I've always thought the Cape Buffalo is
10: the most dangerous of all games. Uh, no, no, you're wrong. Wrong, sir. The Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous game. Yvonne, the wine. Uh, how does he understand you? He reads my lips. If you like this champagne, Mr. Rainsford? Yvonne chills it expertly. Uh, no, no, the, the Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous game. Here in my preserve on this island, I hunt more dangerous game.
13: Oh, is there a big game on this island? The biggest. Oh, really?
10: Oh, it isn't here naturally, of course. I have to stock the island.
13: Uh, what have you imported, General? Uh, Jaguars?
10: Jaguars. I hope you like filet mignon, Mr.
13: Ray. I do very much. Thank you. Uh, is it jaguars, General?
10: No, no, no. no. Hunting jaguars ceased to interest me some years ago. I exhausted their possibilities, you see. I... No thrill left in jaguars, you understand? No real danger. I live for danger, Mr. Rainsford. We will have some capital hunting, you and I. I shall be most glad to have your company.
13: Yes, but I'll what tell came?
10: you... You'll be amused, I know. I think you may say in all modesty that I've done a rare thing... Yes, I've invented a new sensation. May I pour you another glass of champagne, Mr. Redsford? Thank you, General. God makes some men poets, some he makes kings, some beggars. Me, he made a hunter. My hand was made for the trigger. My father once said that, made for the trigger. My whole life has been one prolonged hunt. I've hunted every kind of game in every land. It would be impossible for me to tell you how many animals I've killed... Grizzlies in your Rockies, crocodiles in the Ganges, rhinoceroses in East Africa, in Africa, the way that, that Cape Buffalo hit me and laid me up for six months. Mm. As soon as I recovered, I started for the Amazon to hunt jaguars, for I'd heard they were unusually cunning. <laughs> they weren't. They were no match at all for a hunter with his wits about him, a high powered rifle. I was bitterly disappointed. I was lying in my tent with a splitting headache one night. A terrible thought pushed its way into my head. Hunting was beginning to bore me. And hunting, remember, had been my life. I've heard that in America, businessmen often go to pieces when they give up the business that's been their life. Yes, yes, that's uh, so. I, I had no wish to go to pieces. <laughs> Indeed. I, I I must do something. Uh, now, mine is an analytical mind, Mr. Rainsford. Doubtless. That is why I enjoy the problems of the chase. Oh, no doubt, General. So I asked myself why the hunt no longer fascinated me. You are much younger than I am, Mr. Rainsford, and have not hunted as much, but you perhaps can guess the answer. Now, what is it? Simply this. Hunting had ceased to be what you call a sporting proposition. It had become too easy. I always got my quarry. Always. There's no greater bore than perfection. Cigarette? No, no thank you. Uh, no animal had a chance with me anymore. Not a chance. That is no boast. It is a mathematical certainty. The animal had nothing but his legs and his instinct. Instinct is no match for reason. When I thought of this, it was a tragic moment for me. I can tell you. It came to me as an inspiration. What I must do, and that was, I had to invent a new animal to hunt. New animal? Are oh, you joking? Not at all. I never joke about hunting. I needed a new animal. I found one. So I bought this island, built this castle, and here I do my hunting. The island's perfect for my purposes. There are jungles with a maze of trails in them. Hills, swans... Yes, and but the animal, the animal, General Zara... It surprised me with the most exciting hunting in the world. No other hunting compares with it for an instant. Every day I hunt... I never grow bored now. For I have a quarry with which I can match my wits.
13: Yes, but you still have. I wanted
10: the ideal animal to hunt, so I said, What are the attributes of an ideal quarry? And the answer was, of course, it must have courage, cunning, and above all, it must be able to reason. Well, no animal can reason. Fellow, there is one that
9: can.
13: Mm-hmm. One? You can't mean... And why not? Well, I... I can't believe you're serious, General Zaroff. You're just joking. Joking? I'm quite serious. Speaking
10: about hunting. Hunting? You're speaking about murder. Oh, dear me, that unpleasant word. I think I can show you that your scruples are quite ill-founded. Yes? I hunt the scum of the earth. Sailors from tramp ships, lascars... Japs, mongrels, a thoroughbred horse, a hound is worth more than a score. Of them. But these are men. Precisely. That is why I use them. It gives me pleasure. They can reason after a fashion, so they are dangerous. But where do you get them? Oh, we visit my training school. It's in the cellar. Mm. I have about a dozen pupils down there now. They're from the Spanish park San Lucar that had the bad luck to go with the rocks up there. Very inferior lot, I regret to say. Poor specimens, more accustomed to the deck than to the jungle. Mm. Have a glass No. It's a game, you see.
9: It's
10: a sort of game. I, I suggest to one of them that we go hunting. If you give, I give him a supply of food and uh, an excellent hunting knife. I give him three hours' start. I'm to follow, armed only with a pistol of the smallest caliber and range. If my quarry eludes me for three whole days, he wins
13: the game. If I find him, he loses. Suppose he refuses to be hunted.
10: I give him his choice, of course. He need not play that game if he does not wish to. If he does not wish to hunt, I turn him over to Yvonne. Ivan once had the honor of serving as official knouter to my old king. And he has his own ideas of sport. The invariably, Mr. Rainsford, invariably they choose the hunt. And if they win, uh, to date, I have not lost. I do not wish you to think me a braggart, Mr. Rainsford... Many of them afford only the most elementary sort of problem, I assure you. Occasionally, I strike a tartar. <coughs> <laughs> Shoo remembers the tartar, don't you, darling? <coughs> yes. yes, he almost did win. I eventually had to use the hounds.
9: See?
10: Wait a moment. I'll open
9: the window. Hello, Hello, boys! a <laughs> rather good
10: lot, I think. They're let out at seven every night. If anyone should try to get into my castle or out of it, something extremely regrettable to me. Uh, but enough of this. Come I want to show you a collection of heads I'm quite sure you've never seen before. Join me in the library for coffee. I uh,
13: hope that you will excuse me tonight, General. I'm, oh, I'm really not feeling well at all.
10: Indeed. I know what it is, my old complaint. we <laughs> boredom, you need some excitement.
13: Tonight we'll hunt.
10: Hey, Mr. Rainford, You and I.
13: You're wrong, General. I won't hunt, I won't murder.
10: As you wish, my friend. The choice rests entirely with you. But may I not venture to suggest that you will find my idea of sport more diverting than Ivan's... <laughs>
9: Oh,
10: my dear fellow, you don't mean that you plan to hunt me. My dear fellow, have I not told you I always mean what I say about hunting? This is really an inspiration. I drink to a foeman worthy of my steel at last. I simply can't believe.
13: This must be some sort of dream.
10: You'll find the game worse playing, Mr. Rainsford. Think of it, your brain against mine, your woodcraft against mine, your strength, your stamina against mine. Outdoor chess. <laughs> and the stake is not without value, eh? And if I win... I'll cheerfully acknowledge myself defeated if I do not find you by midnight of the third day. My sloop will place you on the mainland near a town. Or you can trust me. i give you my word as a gentleman and a sportsman course, you, in turn, must agree to say nothing of your visit here.
13: I will agree to nothing of
10: the kind. Oh. Well, in that case... Mm. But why discuss that now? Uh, Three days hence, we can discuss it over a bottle of Veuve Cricot, unless... uh,
13: well, your choice, Mister Rainsford. I'm a hunter. You know my choice. Mm-hmm.
10: Ivan here will supply you with hunting clothes, food, and knife. I suggest you wear moccasins; they leave a poorer trail. I suggest too that you avoid the big swamp in the southeast corner of the island. We call it Death Swamp. This quicksand there. Well, I must beg you to excuse me now. We always take our siesta after our lunch, don't we, Sushu? <laughs> have my little pet. You'll hardly have time for a nap, I fear, Mr. Rainsford. Uh, you, you'll want to start, of course. I shall not follow through dusk. Hunting at night is so much more exciting than by day, don't you think? Mm. Well, au revoir, Mr.
9: Rainsford. Au revoir. I... <laughs>
13: I'd fought my way through the bush for two hours, repeating to myself over and over again, I must keep my nerve, I must keep my nerve. My whole idea at first was to put distance between myself and General Zav. And to this end, I had plunged along through the thicket spurred on by the sharp rowls of something very much like panic. Now I had got a grip on myself. I'd stopped. I was taking stock of the situation. I saw that straight flight was futile. Inevitably, it would bring me face to face with the sea. Well, I'll give him a trail, I muttered. ...and I struck off from the rude path I had been following... ...and into the trackless wilderness. I made a series of intricate loops. I doubled back on my trail again and again... ...recalling all the lore of the fox hunt. All the dodges of the fox. Night found me exhausted. My hands and face lashed by the branches... ...on a thickly wooded ridge. My need for rest was imperative and I thought... ...I played the fox. Now I must play the cat of the fable. A big tree with a thick trunk and outspread branches was nearby. And taking care not to leave the slightest mark... I climbed up and stretched out among the broad limbs. Rest brought me new confidence and almost a feeling of security. Even so expert a hunter as General Zaroff cannot trace me here, I assured myself. An apprehensive night crawled slowly by, my mind keenly alert for any sound, any warning. Towards the dawn, an instinct I never knew existed, like an animal was possessed, held me to look far off in the distance in a westerly direction. Sure enough, following the trail with the sureness of a bloodhound came General Zaroff. Nothing escaped those searching black eyes, no crushed blade of grass, no bent twig, no mark, no matter how fine in the moss. My heart pounding furiously, I slid down quickly from the tree and struck off again into the woods. I knew I had to do something desperate. I knew that I had little time in which to do it. 300 yards from my hiding place, I stopped where a huge dead tree leaned precariously on a smaller living one. Throwing off my sack of food, I took my knife from its sheath and began to work with all my energy. The job was finished at last. And I threw myself down behind a fallen log 300 feet away. I did not have to wait long.
9: Patience.
10: Patience, my darling. You'll be fed. Rainsford? Of my voice, as I suppose you are, let me congratulate you. Not many men know how to make a Malay mancutter. Luckily for me, I too have hunted in Malacca. You are proving interesting, Mister Rainsford.
9: Hmm.
10: Very interesting. The tree brushed my shoulders. I jumped back. I'm going to have a wound rest. There is flight. I shall be back, Mr. Rainsford. I shall be back.
13: It was flight now, a desperate, hopeless flight that carried me on for hours. I don't know where I got the strength. I kept telling myself over and over again that I must keep my nerve. But I was competing with a monster, a super huntsman. Dust came, then darkness, and still I managed to press on. The ground grew softer under my moccasins. The vegetation grew ranker, denser. Insects bit at me savagely. Suddenly, as I stepped forward, my foot sank into the ooze. I tried to wrench it back, but the muck sucked viciously at my foot like a giant leech. With a violent effort, I tore my foot loose. I knew where I was then. Death swamp and its quicksand. The softness of the earth had given me an idea. I stepped back from the quicksand a dozen feet of so and began to dig. When the pit was above my shoulders, I climbed out and from some hard saplings cut stakes and sharpened them to fine points. These stakes I planted in the bottom of the pit with the points sticking upwards. As fast as I could, I wove a rough carpet of weeds and branches and with it covered the mouth of the pit. And wet with sweat and aching with tiredness, I crouched behind the stump of a lightning-charmed tree. Oh, I knew Zharoff was coming. I could hear the paddling sound of his feet on the saunter. Zaroff was coming and coming fast. He was not feeling his way along, foot by foot. Crouching there, I couldn't see him nor see the pit. I lived a year and a minute, frozen, every muscle tensed.
10: Tiger Pits has claimed one of my finest hounds. Again, you score. I think, Mister Rainsford, I'll see what you can do against my whole pack. I'm going back to get them now. Thank you for a most amusing evening.
9: <laughs> <laughs>
13: At daybreak, lying near the swamp, I was awakened by a sound that made me know I had new things to learn about fear. It was a distant sound, faint and wavering, but I knew it. It was the baying of a pack of hounds. I could do one of two things. I could stay where I was and wait. That was suicide. I could flee. That was postponing the inevitable. I had put my very last hope into that tiger pit. For a moment, I stood there thinking. All at once, an idea that held a wild chance came to me. And tightening my belt, I headed away from the swamp. The baying of the hounds drew near it. They would be on me any minute now. My mind worked frantically. I thought of a native trick I had learned in Uganda. I caught hold of a springy young sapling and to it fastened my hunting knife with the blade pointing down the trail. With a bit of wild grapevine, I tied back the sapling. Then I ran for my life. The hounds raised their terrifying voices as they heard them and felt the fresh scent. I knew then how an animal at bay feels. At last I had to stop to get my breath. The baying of the hounds stopped just as suddenly. And with it, my heart stopped too. They must have reached the knife. Excitedly, I shinned up a tree and looked back. My pursuers had stopped all right, but the hope that had been in my brain when I climbed died. For in the shallow valley, I saw that General Zahra was still on his feet. But Ivan was not. Apparently, he had come along to hold the hounds. The knife, driven by the recoil of the springing tree, had splintered through his chest. I'd hardly tumbled to the ground when the pack took off the cry again. Nerve, 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 I panted as I dashed along. A blue gap showed between the trees dead ahead. The hounds were almost on top of me. I forced myself on towards that gap. I reached it. It was the shore of the sea. Across the cove, I could see the gloomy gray stone of the castle. Twenty feet below me, the sea rumbled and hissed. I hesitated. I heard the hounds. Then I leaped far out into the sea. He was good to me, and I'm here safe in the general's bedroom waiting for him. Three days are up, and I've eluded him, but now I must go further. In a moment, we will meet, he and I, and he will be unarmed. Only one of us is going to live. You understand that now?
9: Uh, Quiet, Shushu. Shushu!
10: You must be patient, dear. You must forgive me. You're hungry, I know. <laughs> Shush. Rainesman. General. Rainesman. How on earth did you get
13: it? I swam. I found it easier and quicker than walking through the jungle.
10: I congratulate you.
13: Stronger. You've won the game. Oh, no, General. I'm still a beast at bay. Here. <coughs> Get ready, General Zaroff. Swords? Yes. Two of them. I see.
10: Oh, very good. Very good, Rensford. One of us, then, is to furnish a repast for the hound. The other will sleep in this... this very excellent bed. Huh. Excellent. On guard, Rensford. <coughs>
13: Ah! Just as my late host said it would be, a very
9: excellent bed.
12: so closes The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell starring Orson Welles. Tonight's tale of Suspense. <laughs> Mr. Welles was General Zaroff and Keenan Wynn Rainsford. This is your narrator the man in black who conveys to you Columbia's invitation to spend this half hour in suspense next week same time when Orson Welles will again be our star in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story The Last Special
1: Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Tales of the Texas Rangers, followed by The Great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network,
0: home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.